It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's episode 589 of the Locked On Texas Rangers podcast. On today's show, I'm recapping a wild weekend of baseball that was just limited to a doubleheader on Sunday and why Yankees fans need to just chill out and learn to have a sense of humor about Chris Woodward. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On the Texas Rangers. I'm your host, Bryce Patrick, a 12-year cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan host of the Locked On Texas Rangers podcast. Thank you all for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. Follow the show at Locked On Rangers and subscribe on YouTube where we are getting closer to 800 subscribers. Thank you all so much for listening. Sorry I missed out on Friday's episode. I have been dealing with this sinus infection slash cold slash viral, whatever it is. So, uh, Apologies if my voice goes completely out in this episode or this turns into a little bit of an ASMR podcast because uh, my throat is absolutely killing me. But I am, I'm powering through because we had a wild Sunday of baseball. I'm recording this towards the tail end of the Rangers game right after they found out they're not going to get no hit by Nestor Cortez because if they were, I wanted to you know watch that happen and then be sad about the Rangers being no hit by the Yankees twice in two seasons. But that's not going to happen today. They're probably still going to lose. They're down one nothing. I'll talk more about today's show or today's game on tomorrow's episode because there is a whole lot of stuff that I want to get into. But for today's show, I want to talk about this weekend and specifically these these two games. It was I I don't know why rain would cancel two whole games like these poor Yankees, these poor NL East team, just Upper East teams. You know, the, the Mets, the Yankees, all the other teams, who you know, they're so poor they can't afford to put a roof on their stadium. The Yankees even have a new stadium, but they couldn't afford to put a roof on it because, you know, I don't know, these these poor teams who can't go out and get big free agents like Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, they, they also can't afford to put a dome on their stadium so that when it rains, you know, they don't play baseball for two days and have to have a weird doubleheader on Sunday and then lose their off day on Monday, but I am happy for my Rangers beat writer friends who got to spend Friday and Saturday night in New York without baseball games to go to, so they could just go have fun and enjoy New York. This random two days off in a row, actually three days off, because they had Thursday off as well, so the Rangers go from having what they thought was going to be a Monday off and a Thursday off to a Friday and Saturday off. Their win streak was... A week long, but it was only four games, and then it got snapped in the game one of a doubleheader against the Yankees. The Rangers lost two to one. By the way, at this point, before this Monday game goes final, the Rangers are at eleven and fifteen on this Monday, May 9th. They are at fourth place in the AL West, just ahead of the Oakland A's by one and a half games. Hey, two two games? I don't know. I don't math. Uh, and they're a game and a half game and a half behind the Mariners, who have a losing record at this point. And the Angels, of course, are still leading the American League West. But this Yankees team is no joke. They came in before they lost that one game on Wednesday. They had an 11-game winning streak. They were one of the hottest teams in baseball. They were 
doing fantastic. Their offense was great. Their pitching was great. Their bullpen was great. Like, every facet of them was great. So for the Rangers be as much in it as they have been for this entire series has been very, very encouraging. And it was, for all that to say, it was a very discouraging way to lose the first game of this doubleheader. It was it was not a very hard-hit Gleyber Torres walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth inning against John King. Like it, it just wasn't. It wasn't that hard hit. It wasn't some mammoth moonshot that you know is is going to be uh, a home run in every single ballpark. Now, it, it turns out by the specs of it, Yankees fans went to go find out. And I'll talk more about what Chris Woodward said about calling the park a Little League park. But it turns out it would have been a home run in 26 of the parks. But you, you, can bl- you, you can't really blame him for thinking, okay, that, that felt like a little bit of a cheapie. And he was joking, but we'll get into that later. But I want to give a shout-out to Marcus Simeon who had another multi-hit game in this one. Has not had a hit since, but it's fine because he is looking like he is turning it around. Still not quite hitting it for the power that he used to, but like that he will he will get to eventually. I don't want to say like like he used to, like he's not going to, but he's really showing some signs of turning it around. It's still not quite there yet. And I'm I'm not quite full on panicking, but I'm I'm about a few days away from panicking on Marcus Simeon. But I do want to also give a shout out to Dane Dunning, who had another Fantastic start in this one. Six innings, only two hits allowed, three walks, five strikeouts, and just one run. Fantastic stuff from him. Matt Bush came in in relief in the seventh inning, worked a couple, worked a couple outs, got into a little bit of a jam, and Dennis Santana came in and got them out of a jam because that's what Dennis Santana does. He is finding his role in this Rangers bullpen as guy who comes in and gets out of jam. Uh, yeah, Matt Bush came on and allowed a single, and then Marvin Gonzalez reached on a fielding error, and then Kyle Hayashioka, which it this is just kind of a weird random thought, but for a guy whose last name is Higashioka, Kyle is about the last first name that I would have put with that guy, but he had a nice sack bunt that uh, he bunted to Brad Miller uh, and got Glaber Torres and Marvin Gonzalez on second and third. But, uh, yeah, Aaron Hicks struck out, and in comes Dennis Santana. Still with these two guys on, two guys in scoring position, and Dennis Santana gets Aaron Judge to fly out to center fielder Adoles Garcia. Bing, bang, boom, the Rangers get out of trouble. Out of too much trouble, at least, with the game still tied. So they go into that ninth inning, and in comes Brett Martin. Uh, and, you know, I thought this was going to be fine. I thought it was going to be just fine and dandy and that we were going, excuse me, John King. John King had a, a really nice eighth inning, comes in, uh, was able to get some outs from Rizzo and Stanton. DJ Mayhew had a, a nice single um, to Corey Seager, but he also got Joey Gallo to fly out, so he was able to work around too much trouble. And it was still a tie game going into the ninth, so it wasn't time for Joe Barlow. So it's like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. The Rangers did have a chance to go ahead in the top of the ninth inning with Mitch Garver's second double of the game. Cole Calhoun was unfortunately unfortunately grounded out in this one. Um, but I also want to give a shout out to him who it was this. This was his first game, his first home run in a Rangers uniform. I did not think that Cole Calhoun would be the first one of him and uh, Marcus Simeon to break their homerless streak. But it was Cole Calhoun hit an absolute laser, a guy who kind of looked like he had been struggling with some of that high-velocity stuff, but he gets his his first home run of the season off of Garrett Cole in the seventh inning, 
don't really know why Garrett Cole went back out for that seventh inning. He was absolutely dealing, and he was at his high. He was past his high watermark in pitches for the season. At this point, he threw 114 pitches. He threw quite a few of those in the seventh inning, where he only got one out. Don't really know what the deal is there. Think he's have the bullpen to cover him there. I don't know why exactly he decided to throw him out to the Wolves, but. Yeah, uh, Dane Dunning was basically equal with Garrett Cole in this one for his six innings, and that is a huge tip of the captain him, who has been fantastic. I'm going to get a little bit more into how good he's been and how good these Rangers starting pitches have been. Um, but first, I want to talk to you guys about Bet Online. That's right, you guys know about Bet Online. It is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs. You can find the latest stats, odds, news, and sports development this year. You know, with NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, you know, fights, even next season's futures odds, BetOnline continues to be the best place for all of your sports gambling information. You know, they've got playoffs, they've got esports, they've got more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Thank you all for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. For your next listen, make it the Locked On Now podcast. So, they've got recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts, including me, taking fans through the season like no other network. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let's look a little bit about how good these Rangers starting pitchers have been. So, that was supposed to be the weakest point for the Rangers this season. And for the first couple of weeks this season, it kind of looked like that was hitting the nail on the head. Well, that and the bullpen was terrible. But both... Both the pitching units, the starting and the bullpen, have kind of turned it around. They've let go of some of the guys who have been the worst uh, offenders of being bad at baseball throwing. In Craig Holland was the first one to go. Spencer Howard is down to AAA to kind of figure his stuff out. Albert Abreu is on the IL. Colby Allard has been optioned as well. And it seems like Taylor Hearn has lost his start starting spot in the rotation. I don't know if he'll earn it back, but he's not through this pass in the rotation, and I'm assuming he might get a start by the end of the week just because the Rangers don't have as many off days as they thought they would with these rainouts, with this double header, It's seeming like he might end up being there. He is available out of the pen for this Monday game, but uh, we have not seen him on in this game, so I'm assuming that is going to be it for him in the rotation for the long term, which sucks, and I think... I'm really frustrated by it because it seemed like his last start out was when he was kind of figuring out a little bit. The the walks, I think, is more what killed him than anything else because he has been a little walk-prone this year, more so than normal. He's got 10 walks in 20 and two-thirds innings, and while he does have 24 strikeouts, it has not been the greatest start in season form. A 6.53 ERA, an ERA plus of 56, and a whip of 1.839. He just has not been able to be efficient. He's only gone five innings once, and that was his last start out, which he still did walk quite a few guys, but was able to get some ground ball to plays and able to get out of it just a little bit. But enough about the guys who have not been doing well in the starting rotation. Dane Dunning has been excellent this year. He's got six starts under his belt, 32 innings, 31 strikeouts. The walks are still a little bit not where I would want them to be, 3.1. I want him to get that under three. Um, He's literally just above it. He had a few more walks than I would have liked in his last start, but he still did throw very well, a 3.38 ERA in that time span. Martin Perez has been just straight-up fantastic. He has a 2.25 ERA in five starts, 28 innings. Struck out just 20. That's fine. That's about where you expect him. His ERA plus has been 163. His FIP has been under three 
at 282. His whip is just above one, hits per nine, under six and a half, walks per nine, under three, strikeouts per nine, 6.4. That's fine. That's about what you're expecting out of him. Let's look at some of his advanced numbers because those will show you how he has been doing what he has been doing. All the numbers that you think of for the traditional, you know, fancy stuff, ace, whatever, Garrett Cole type that's striking everybody out, getting everybody whiff and all that stuff. That's not who Martin Perez is. That's who the Rangers maybe thought that he was when he was coming up as a prospect. But he's been more of a finesse, ground ball, kind of like soft contact kind of lefty. And the Rangers have embraced that. And he's embraced that. He's learned how to better be that kind of pitcher and have success as that kind of pitcher. Because his strikeout rate is in the 25th percentile. Chase rate, bottom about the bottom third of the league. Fastball velo, bottom quarter of the league. Whiff rate, bottom fifth of the league. Fastball spin in the 11th percentile, which act actually is very good when you are a sinker ball. You don't want that fastball to spin. You want that to kind of stay flat, so it induces a little more. It drops a little bit more and, and makes you more ground ball friendly. Now, let's look at the numbers that have been fantastic. Expecting, his expected batting average is in the top 30% of the league. His expected WOBA is in the top 22% of the league. Expected ERA, exact same spot. Expected slugging percentage in the top 15% of the league, excuse me, 16%. And barrel percentage, in the top 7% of baseball. No one is getting a barrel to the bat of a Martin Perez ball. He is not giving up hard contact. Nobody is figuring him out. His expected Wobacon, which um, I, I, I think is just a, a convention for expected Woba or baseball stat nerds, um, but that has him at 299 um, and one of the best of the league. He has been just fantastic at mixing things up, not using the first seamer too much, mostly a sinker, about 40% of the time, changeup about a quarter of the time, cutter about 18% of the time, and curveball about 12% of the time. He's been a five-pitch pitcher who has used his sinker a whole lot more this season and then the years past. Last year, it was at 25% was how much he was using it, using the cutter a little bit more last year, less this year. Change up about the same, curveball a little bit more, and four-seamer even less. He has just been very, very good at this point. Dane Dunning's numbers <coughs> aren't as crazy. His fastball velo and fastball spin rate are both in the bottom 7% of the league, which I would just like for him to be able to throw a little bit harder, especially since he's only 27. Like, he's eventually going to go down. Like, I mean, it's going to be like five years. The fastball velo is going to go down, but spin rate is the bottom percentage of the league, and he is also a very heavy sinker usage kind of guy. It's average exit, least, exit velocity in the uh, 82nd percentile, so he's right above there with the best. Chase rate is in the 61st percentile. It's not what you think from a guy who's not not necessarily a big strikeout guy. Um, but, yeah, he has been excellent to start the season. I've loved what I've seen from the past, like, three starts. He's had a couple of bad ones out there, but I have really loved what I've seen from him so far. And also, a big shout-out to Glenn Otto, who's been much better in the starting rotation than I thought. And, uh, yeah, John Gray, who is not little worried. We'll learn more. I'll, I'll talk more about what's going on with John Gray, who came out of the start early with the trainer. We'll have an update for you tomorrow. Don't know when, but I will talk about it on tomorrow's episode. But coming up, I'm going to talk about this game two of the Sunday doubleheader, Chris Woodward's comments, and why Yankees fans need to learn to chill the heck out. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. You guys know about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market. They are fantastic. They are delicious. They are healthy. They are so stinking good. Milk bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. 
Pair that with a candy bar that has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. You know, Bill Bars are so much better for you, and they're so absolutely delicious. I have one today, my last salted caramel. I am very bummed that I'm out of those now, but I've got more on the way coming this week, so I will be okay. If you want to go get some more for yourself, you can go to built.com. Just want to go to lock15 and get 15% off your order. We've got Lock 15 for 15% off at Built Duck. Now, we've got some Game 2 talk and Chris Woodward comments to get into. After the Game 1 loss, Chris Woodward made a joke about Yankee Stadium, which um, always goes over well because Yankees fans are super level-headed and uh, have very reasonable, rational takes about everything baseball, especially outsiders coming and talking about their stadium. Now, I'm going to attempt to read this, uh, this Chris Woodward quote in my uh, Ted Lasso voice, but with my dead throat it, it might not come out as well as it normally does but you know we're gonna give it a shot here so this is what chris woodward said about the home run the walk-off home run in game one now that's an easy out in 99 percent of ballparks he just happened to hit in a little league ballpark to right field yeah that surprisingly did not go over well with yankees fans everybody in the rangers beat in knew oh huh, he's joking this is just kind of who he is but Yankees fans and Yankees media thought, oh no, this is a direct attack on our honor. We must defend ourselves from these stupid Southerners who don't appreciate the greatness of our ballpark. Stupid. It was absolutely stupid. It got blown up. And uh, shout out to, to Javi and our Locked On Astros boys who were talking trash in the DMs. I didn't see the comment at first because I was sick as a dog and getting some treatment on Sunday. So to go back and watch and see what the comments were. And, uh, yeah, everyone just blew it up way out of proportion. We need to chill the heck out. We're going to take a joke. Also, learn Chris Woodward's sensibilities because he's great and he has great sensibilities. So this is what, uh, what he had to say afterwards. This is also read in Ted Lasso voice. It was a joke, he said, shaking his head slightly. Listen, I love this place. This is like one of the cathedrals in all sports. It's obviously, everyone knows it's got a short right field. It was more a joke, if anything. <laughs> we hit one of our own in the second game, so I guess this karma is kind of funny in that way. But no, I love this place. It's a beautiful ballpark. <coughs> He's right. The Rangers did hit one of their own, and they did get a, a split of this doubleheader in a 4-2 win. I believe the Rangers now, yes, it is final. The Rangers lost one nothing in this Monday afternoon game where they did not get no hit by the Yankees. But the Rangers were able to win 4-2 because of a pinch-hit homer by none other than Brad Miller. Yeah, that's right. The Rangers got a home run from Eli White and Brad Miller in this one that accounted for three three of their runs in this one. Brad Miller comes in, pinch-hits in the seventh inning, and gets a two-run absolute bomb off of Mr. King, the other king in this one. Actually, I don't think the Rangers king. Michael King. At that point, had a perfect zero ERA. Talked about it a little bit on the preview show last week with Stacy about how many of these Yankees had perfect ERAs. And uh, the Rangers shattered another one, uh, or I guess just one, with this John King long bomb hit to right field into the Yankees' bullpen, which I don't know if that was necessarily nearly as short. Because the closer you get to the right field foul pole, that's the shorter it gets. But it was hit to kind of right center. But nonetheless, a big third home run of the season for Brad Miller, who really needed something to turn around because it had been a rough way for him offensively. But this is a big game for Glenn Otto, who come up, came up big with five innings, only struck out two, did walk three in his attempt at a Yankees revenge game. 
does not get the win, but the Rangers did win in it, so that's what really matters. But another big inning, big outing for the Rangers pen. Garrett Richards goes in a shutout inning, gets credited with the win. For the Rangers long man, I would really like to see him go more than one or two innings. I, I don't know what his role specifically is going to be, but it, it was supposed to be long man slash spot starter, and he has not gone more than two innings, I don't think, this season, if my memory is correct. But, uh, yeah, I would really like to see him actually throw more innings, or maybe I wouldn't because he hasn't been terribly impressive. Brock Burke has been the most impressive Rangers um, long reliever who has actually gone multiple outings of over two innings this season. Matt Moore comes in, does his magic. Dennis Santana comes in in a big spot, works out of another jam, pitching twice in a doubleheader, which was very, very impressive. Brent Martin comes in with perfect inning, and Joe Barlow walks one but gets the save, his fourth of the season. Great outing for the Rangers. Another double by Jonah Heim, his third of the season. Continues to look fantastic. Cole Calhoun had a pinch hit and a walk as well. Pretty solid outing from him. Another multi-hit game from Adolis Garcia. But Corey Seager is in a bit of a slump right now offensively. Things are not really going his way, but I'm sure he'll figure it out. He did get a walk in his final plate appearances. Final plate appearance of the day in the Monday game. Really solid game for the Rangers in general. It would work out of a little bit of a jam. It would work around a team that is absolutely flying offensively right now. They have limited them to uh, two runs, two runs, and one run in a three-game series against the hottest offense in baseball. The Rangers offense was not able to do very much to match them. Did only end up winning one in this one and were shut out in the final game on Monday. But still, an impressive showing for the Texas Rangers against one of the best teams in baseball. Now they will go home to a four-game series against the Royals, who are... um, excuse me, a three-game series against the Royals who are, to put it mildly, struggling very badly. So hopefully the Rangers get back on track there. And they have a weekend series against Boston, who is also struggling very, very badly. Somehow has a very, very bad offense. Maybe it's because they lost their hitting coach to the Texas Rangers. I don't know. Maybe that's the case. But hopefully this week the Rangers can continue to build on what was a nice four-game winning streak and now a two-game losing streak coming out of a uh, a pretty overall solid road trip for the Texas Rangers, a nine-game home stand. We'll see what the Rangers can do with it. I have to close this one just a little bit early because my voice is already dying on me, but I'll be back tomorrow to talk about a wild, wild Monday game which the Rangers did not get no hit by Netra Cortez. But thank you guys so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. Now make your second listen. Uh, Locked On MLB, Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him solely. Gives you a unique perspective on the Major League's past and future, uh, past and present it's free and available wherever you get your podcast. On tomorrow's show, like I said, I'll be talking about this wild Monday game. That'll do it for this edition of Locked On Rangers. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.